0: Welcome to the Innovation and Technology Management Seminar Series, hosted by the Engineering Management Program in the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. My name is Jeff Glass and I'm the Faculty Director for the Engineering Management Program. The purpose of our seminar series is to introduce engineers and scientists to various business and management concepts that they will find useful throughout their careers. Speakers represent a diverse array of industries from finance and information technology to materials processing and biotechnology. If you'd like to learn more about the engineering management program at Duke, including these podcasts and any associated audiovisual materials that are sometimes available, please visit our website at memp.duke.edu. Thanks for your interest in our series, and please do not hesitate to contact us with suggestions or questions.
1: Today's presenter is Orville Pearson. He is the author of The Unwritten Rules of the Highly Effective Job Search, published by McGraw-Hill in 2006. He is also a Senior Vice President, Corporate Director of Program Design and Service Delivery for Lee Hecht Harrison, a $200 million career services company with 240 offices worldwide. Orville has been in the career services field since 1977 as a program and process designer, author, speaker, and facilitator, as well as consultant and career coach to hundreds of private clients. His education includes a BA from Yale University and certification in psychological instruments used in career assessment. Orville's talk will focus on the central principles of planning and organizing even the most difficult job search to get the best results. He will also discuss the use of progress measurements and performance benchmarks and give you an overview of the Pearson method of job search based on three decades of observation of how the most and least effective job hunters manage the search project.
2: So what, I, what I've done for pretty much my whole career um, is help people find jobs. Um, I've been doing that for about 30 years. I've written numerous books on it for Lee Heck Harrison and other companies. Those books are only available to the private clients of those companies. Um, I, I finally got to the place where I wrote one on my own. Um, I, I do have a hobby in addition to my work in job search. My hobby is helping people find jobs, um, and and I do also volunteer in my spare time to work for nonprofits helping people find jobs. So um, one, one thing that I've learned in doing this for 30 years um, is that the majority of people are really not very good at this. Um, I, I was at first surprised by that. I expected people in senior-level positions. I, I, I work, My colleagues and I often work with business people, uh, sometimes very senior-level business people. Um, and, and I've stopped being surprised by how dumb they can be about job search. The same person who was like very competent in the rest of their life, you've put them into a job search and, and suddenly it's like they seem to have lost everything. So it, 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 that of course has been very good news for my career. Um, I've worked for a number of different career consulting companies, and and see, it's like it's not going away, and the reason, and and I think by the time we get done today, you'll see why it doesn't go away. Um, You you heard a minute ago about, like, not everybody likes to do this. That's for sure. It's like not everybody likes to do this. Most people don't do it well. If you do it well, it's a huge career advantage for you, Um, so we'll see. Um, This book, who's seen it? Put your hand up, please, if you've seen it. Okay, good. Put your hand up, please, if you could pass a test on it right now. Okay, good. See, see that, that's basically why I'm here, right, is, is I'm here in the next, in the next uh, 40 or 50 minutes to, uh, to give you the book, all right? I, I, I'm going to do everything I can. See, if you can just get it about job search, and, and we might be able to do that in, in, this, in this period of time, in which case you wouldn't have to bother with the book. But if you can just get it about how the game is played, it's like then, then the details start to become more obvious, but most people don't get it about how the game is played. So we're going to give that a try. So so the idea today is one, one is I'm going to kind of give you an executive summary of the book. Um, at the same time, I'm going to give you some of the stuff behind the book. Most important, though, I, I hope we're going to have at least a little bit of dialogue. It's a largest group. Uh, I just I had the good fortune to meet with a smaller group where we had a bunch of dialogue. But even in this group, we can have some. And so I'm going to invite you, wh- wh- while I'm going, if you want to talk about that topic, let's, you know, say something. Um, if you want to talk about another topic, wait till the end. At the end, we'll open it up wide open to talk about anything. But along the way, if you have something, because, see, that's how I know if I'm communicating or not. If, if everybody's putting their hand up, it's like, maybe I'm not. Okay. I have notes here. Uh, here, try this. Um, who, in the, who, who in this room has, a, has your next job lined up? You know, the, the company, the, the title, and it's like it's all lined up. Okay, good. Those of you with their hands up, I would like to congratulate you on the job, and I'd like to also congratulate you for having the wisdom to come. Because, because this probably won't be your last job, and there's some good reasons why. Hey, let me try it like this. Those of you that already have a job, uh, put your hand up, please, if finding that job was easy. Put your hand up if it was easy. Okay, Good. Um, I'm I'm, I'm now going to speak particularly to those people. So so I'm I'm working for Lee Hectares, and we're a very large career consulting company. Um, We have 90 offices or so in the U.S. Uh, A couple of years ago, a grad student in the social sciences came to one of our offices and did a a qualitative study with with the um, currently unemployed... Managers and executives in our office that, that were that were doing a job search and and one one thing He found in doing that study was he found that the people who were doing the worst in their current job search at that time Were the people who had had the easiest last one and and it's like it, it's, it's really when, when you when you th- when you think about it When you think about it, there's really some logic to it because you see if if you think job search is easy and and then you and then you happen to step into one that ain't so easy. It's like whoa, what's you know what's the problem here? But so so sometimes they're easy. Sometimes you have that good luck, and sometimes they're easy. Sometimes, on the other hand, you might have to read the daggone book and actually do that. But but uh, I'm, I'm I'm wishing you the easy ones. But see, where I am is like be prepared for the more difficult ones. My my, fa- my father was born in 1910. Um, he got a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering from Rensselaer. He then went to work for one company until what year? Come on, you already know. What year did he, how long did he work for that company? He was born in 1910, and he stopped working for that company in what year? 1975, exactly. He stopped, because, because he retired, they gave him a clock. It was mandatory retirement and all like that, right? then that's the way it was with his generation. With my generation, what I've seen with my generation is I saw people in the 80s being very surprised that all of a sudden they didn't have a job anymore. It's like they were surprised. Personally, in the last 30 years, I've had five. So here's my question for you. How many different, and not jobs, how many different employers are you going to have in the course of your career? What would you estimate? How many different employers do you estimate you'll have? How many? Two to five? What do you think? Three? Three. Three? What do you think? What do you think? Three? Three? What do you think? Five? Five? What do you think? Five to, ten. Five to ten? See, I think we're getting closer now. Because it's, it's like, like now, watch the, watch the way the trends are going. It's like that's the way the trends are going. It's like more, more and more turnover. So, and and, and, and some, sometimes sometimes you're changing <laughs> employer by choice because you want to advance your career. I, I, see, where I am is always, always smart smartest to look inside your current employer, see where you can go next. But sometimes you've got to look outside. Other times, as, as you heard a minute ago, it's not your choice. Other times it's like, boom, the, your, your division is gone, your company is gone, there's a merger and you're on the losing end of the merger, you know, there's an acquisition. It's like that's the way it is. We, we, we know that because we're in the business, that's, that's who we deal with. But, but uh, I, I think five to ten, maybe more. Now, how many years do you think you're going to work? Is this, you estimate three to five based on the fact that you're going to stop working when you're 65? Is that what you're thinking? Because it ain't 65. No, you got that? No, I'm serious. It's not 65. Not not unless you already have the money. Like even if you do really well in your career, it's probably going to be 75. What if your luck is bad and your health is good? You might live to be 100. You know how much money you have to have put away? You know how much money you have to have put away to live from age 65 to age 100 at the lifestyle you're going to be accustomed to by the time you get to 65? That's going to be a good lifestyle, right? Do the math. But, but you, you see what's happening is like the uh, life, lifespan is going up, careers is going up, retirement is going away. Who thinks they're going to have a defined benefit pension? Okay, good. We got some reality in the room on that one because the defined benefit pensions are, you know, they're on the way out. They're going to be gone. So, you won't have that. Who thinks, uh, American citizens, who thinks you're going to have Social Security? Okay, good. Realistic, for, That's good. All right. So, here, here's, here's, here's why I'm doing all of this. Here's why I'm, I'm playing with all of this. It, it, over the course of the 30 years I've been doing this, it's become eminently clear to me that job search skills are an essential part of career management. Didn't used to be like that. Used to be two separate things. There's career management and there's job search. Career management, uh, uh, job search is now part of career management. I think it's an essential skill. It's like you, Sooner or later, you're going to need it. If, if, if your luck is good on some of them, sooner or later, you're going to have to be good at job search. Or try it like this. Sooner or later, if you are good at job search, it's going to be worth some real money to you. If you get hit with a layoff and you can find something better inside of the severance period, you actually make money on the layoff. So I'm supposed to be using these slides. Maybe I should use a couple. <laughs> See, there's one. That's the one we just talked about. <coughs> See, five or 10, that's, that's, that's kind of where I am. It's like maybe more than 10. You don't know. Like, but the, 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 ten, the tenure is shortening. So this one is where I've spent most of my career. And and the the book that I wrote and and, and a lot of the work that I've done for Lee Hecht and writing things for Lee Hecht Hecht Harrison um, has been the product of of my observing and, and and the Lee Hecht Harrison staff observing what effective people do in job search and what ineffective people do in job search. What the effective ones do is what I put in the book. Let me tell you a little bit about the ineffective side. What ineffective people in job search do is, one, they have a, they have a primary or exclusive focus on job openings. They think that a job search is primarily looking for the job openings or, quote, who's hiring. In other words, they're, they're not the least bit proactive. They're basically reactive. And, and that takes me to the second point, is most people in job search are, tend, tend to be Passive, low activity, passive, waiting for it to come to them. Sometimes it does. that's yeah, wonderful when it does. But, but if it doesn't, you need to know how to be active and proactive. Um, some, some people are waiting for somebody else to do it for them. Um, it, it's a huge advantage, I'm going to say, one, one, to have a degree from a prestigious university like this, and two, to have a, a, a university that has, I'm going to say, extraordinary career resources available to you. At, at, at the same time, I don't care, I, I've seen a lot of college career centers, it's like visiting career centers is part of what I do. And, and, and I'm going to say, no matter how much money they have, and they don't usually have that much, no matter how much money they have, they cannot do it for you. That they, they can make it real easy for some people, they can make it easier for everybody, but I'm going to say that where it really is, is you're the only one who can run the project, this is your life and career. And, and if, if you're familiar with the career, the career services that are available, they have some extraordinary resources. Where I am, it's up to you to take advantage of those. So, so passivity is very common in job search. And, 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 then, and then finally, how do the least effective people do it? They muddle through. That's how most people do it. A lot of people muddle through a job search. Now, but, but think about it. It's like a job search is a work project. And, and, and if it's a work project, why wouldn't it be organized and managed? That's the way you do your other work projects, right? You think them through, you organize them, you plan them, you manage them, you make them happen. It's, when, when, I, when I was writing this book, one of the things you do, you know, a book is a product, right? So one of the things you do when you're writing a book sometimes, especially a non, nonfiction book, is you check out the market and see what's already out there in the market. So at the, at the time I was working on this book, there were 25 under, 2,500 other job search books I found in a in an Amazon search. Um, some, some of them professed to be complete job search, and others were on a single part of it, and others were written for a certain niche audience. And some of the niche audience stuff is very useful if you're in that niche. Um, in, in the general ones, what the general ones usually did, and still do, is teach people job search techniques. So interviewing, getting techniques, um, like using recruiters, or, or using the internet, or, um, or, or related skills like resume writing, let's so say they teach skills and techniques. But most of the books don't put those ke- techniques in a project context. And, and, and therefore, it's kind of like, you're, you're gonna build a house, right? And so you're gonna build a house and you have the techniques of plumbing and, and masonry and carpentry and all like that. That's not sufficient, right? It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Well, what you also need, of course, is an architectural plan. An implementation plan might be good. Something about time and cost might be good. And I see it's exactly the same in job search. It needs to have a project management kind of approach. You need to think about those kind of things. And, and so what we, what we did at Lee Hect Harrison, and see this was the fun for me, because I've always been interested in job search assistance. What, what, what the fun for me at Lee Hect Harrison was, is working with, with a, a global company in order to put all that together And and because we work with so many, we work with with up to 100,000 different clients a year in the U.S. alone who are looking for new employment. And so it gave us a lot of of chance to to work on this. And so what we did is we established some measurements and benchmarks for job search. Because if job search is a project, then there's a thing about high and low performance. And and so what what we did was was put some very simple metrics on what performance it takes, what's the level of performance it takes in job search. Most people grossly underestimate it, so as soon as you have some kind of benchmark, it's very useful because then you can tell how well you're doing before you get an interview. So if, if job search is a project, then this is the project plan. The project plan is very simple. It's marketing 101, right? So the project plan is... Number one, what's your professional objective? So that is, what profession are you in or do you aspire to being in? And within that profession, what in particular do you want to do right now? The other way to look at it, the marketing way of looking at it, is that's a statement of what you have to offer to the marketplace. Having figured that out, I'm gonna say step two is, who is your target market? So given that that particular set of, it's usually a set of job titles, it's usually a set of related job titles. Given that particular set of job titles, who are the employers that buy that? So you're looking at it from a marketing point of view. Who buys it? And, and among those, see, this is the interesting part. So if this is sales, if, if job search is sales and marketing, the, the good news is you don't have to sell a high volume. At the same time, you want the one sale, but at the same time, the, the, the quality of that is very, very important to you, right? So, so who is your target market? You often hear people in a job search talking about the job market. Journalists do that, right? The job market is bad. The job market in the U.S. is worse than you, you know, and all of that stuff, right? But you see, if you're in a job search, the only thing that matters is the shape that your particular personal job market is in. And if you haven't defined it, then you can't tell what shape it's in. So, so that's the next step in your, in your search is to find your personal job market and convert that into a, into a specific list of targeted em, employers. We usually suggest as a starting point 40 to 50 employers. And, and, and then over the course of your search, you're going to be refining that list. As you refine the list, you're always going to be working the top end of the list. Because you're always working the top end of the list, you increase the chances of finding something with the top end of the list. Uh, But also, it's like you're you're becoming, if you will, informed about your market so you know where you really want to end up. It's only after, in my opinion, it's only after you have figured out those two that you're ready to write a resume and do your communications. Because after all, what's a resume? A resume is a communication about your professional objective to your target market. If you do it in any other order, it's like saying, I'm going to found a business and the first thing I'm going to do is, is write the advertising. After that, I'll figure out what business I'm in. So in, inside of your target market, there's three, there's three ways to look at it. One is geographically, where do you want to be? That's a life decision. Some people, especially in early career, say, I'll go where the job is. Even if that's true with you, I'm going to say, prioritize it geographically. What, what, what are the three or four cities you would most like to be in? Lisbon, Paris, and, uh, New York City, Atlanta. It's like, where are they? What are they? So geographically, where would you like to be? Um, write it down concisely so you could draw it on a map. Because it's like the, it's like you're you're going to plan a project here. It's like don't be vague about it. So if somebody says California, any place. Or or is it really just LA? Or is it really just Bay Area and like that? So geographic location. Number two is industry or type of organization. You're familiar I'm sure with SIC codes and NAIS codes. It's like that's what you want to base it on. You want to translate the industries you want to be in into those codes. And finally size. So people will say to them, I'll say to them, what size do you want to work for? They'll say medium. Well what does that mean? So so I'm going to say, do size in terms of number of employees or revenue. Please notice that once you've done these three, you plug them into a database and the database will spit out a list for you. That's your starting point list. Behind that, so now you're ready to begin your research, right? Once you have the list, you want to know who they are really. So of course you're going to go to their website, and of course you're going to Google them. And after that, the most important source of information is talking to people who have been there, isn't that fair? Because Googling them and, 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 and going to their website gives you the surface level. That's, that's, the, that's the right place to start, and it's easy. But you want to know about their culture? That's not that's, You're not going to get that on Google. You're not going to get that on their website. And you do want to know about their culture, right? You want to know about their culture before you get there, not after. If their culture doesn't like people like you, your career won't go so well. On the other hand, if if the way they do things is the way you love to do things and you fit with their cultures, like that's cool. So anyway, uh, you you specify your personal target market and you convert that into a list. Once you have the list, I'm going to say, once you've got the definition, I'm going to say it's very important to do a reality check on it. Because you see, what you're doing in an effective job search is you're working upstream of the openings. If you hear about openings, that's wonderful. And of course, you're going to chase an opening you hear about. But, but most of the way most people find jobs is they work upstream of the opening. In other words, the manager in charge of doing the hiring has already met the person before the opening happens. Are you tracking with me? The manager doing the hiring has already met the person before the opening happens. That's the way probably the majority of hiring happens in the, in the entire Western world and probably true in Asia, though I can't speak so definitively about that. Uh, So, once you've defined your target market, you then want to make an estimate of the number of current jobs in that market and an estimate of the turnover. Not job openings, but an estimate of the number of current jobs in that market you defined and an estimate of the turnover, and then then that shows you uh, a reasonable expectation of how many jobs will come and open every month. If their hiring tends to be cyclical, you need to know about that. So you need to know if there's hot months and cool months. But it's like you, you, you already know that any organization always does hiring, right? It's like it's all the time. Some some, some do more of it at certain seasons and less of it at other seasons. But like they all do it all the time. So see, now that you've got all that plan in place and, and, and you've laid the groundwork, now is the time where you use those search techniques. This is what you often find in the books. So most of the books are about these seven search techniques. Raise your hand if you want me to talk about them. OK, good. They're in all the books. Um, And and you you, you may also know from looking at the list that the stuff in the left-hand column, it usually doesn't work very well. Stuff in the left-hand column is a long shot. Um, Over over 90%, probably over 95%, maybe even more than that, of of people who find jobs, find them using the three in the right-hand column. And and out of the three in the right hand column, I'm sure you already know this as well, it's over 50% find them through networking. Networking is informal conversations with people. So you notice you have a target list. You you start talking to people about the target list. By talking to people about the target list, you're looking to talk to any insiders, preferably insiders at your own level. That's where you want to start. It's like they're the people who know what you want to know. And, and once you've talked to them, if they want to, they can introduce you to the hiring manager. Notice that none of this, this all, completely circumvents formal channels, right? This isn't about HR at all. It's like it goes around HR, which, in fact, is how most hiring happens. Isn't that right? Is that right or not? That's right. Is that right? <laughs> see, see, the, the, this, See, this, I think... This, I think, is what underlies job search is, do you know how organizations actually behave? Do you know how they actually behave? Because see, what happens is you have an organization, it has a culture, it has policies, right? And, and, and then, inside the organization, do people follow the policies all the time? Well, sometimes yes and sometimes no, right? Some organizations, HR doesn't have anything to do with hiring. Some departments, never, some departments don't trust HR. So at any rate, there's one person who does the hiring, and that's your next boss, right? That's the one who always makes the final decision. If you have to go to that person through HR, you do. But if you don't have to, why would you? Yes? HR only knows the opportunities that are open.
0: But if you go through, like you said, hiring managers, you know, you may open an opportunity that may not be there, but, you know, for your circumstance,
2: it, it you know, may exist. Thank you. I like the way you're thinking. Because, in fact, you'd rather, you'd rather meet the hiring manager before the opening happens. Because then, at the point where the opening happens, if the hiring manager already knows two or three candidates, why do they go to the trouble and expense of running a big search? They already know two or three candidates. Okay, so anyway, those are the techniques. Try this one. So how many are the average unemployed person? See, unemployed means they don't have anything else to do. That person, how many hours a week do they spend in job search, please? I'm sorry, how many? Less than five, did you read the book? Yeah. All right, see, he read the book. <laughs> that, 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 in fact, that in fact was what was reported in a, in a uh, Department of Labor study. Um, the, in, in fact, it was two-thirds reported five hours or less. But, but see, here's the real question. And see, I see that all the time, as do my colleagues in, uh, with people in job search. Even, even people at a very high comp level, even people in very, serious, in, in very senior positions, they get into job search, That it's not as low as 5, but they'll work 20 hours a week maybe, or 30. Why? Why? You'd expect them to work 60 or 80 like they did on their last job. Why do they put in so few hours?
0: It's I'm sorry? Results. If you're very results oriented, like you're expecting, like to get a job, and if you don't get a job right away, you know what I mean? so, so you,
2: the, your first words was well, it's defeating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think that's exactly right. It's like there's this psychological stuff. Is they're used to being successful, and it's like in job search you're gonna have you're gonna have a, a lot of stuff that just doesn't work, and and so there's a psychological thing about it's like it it, it can be depressing. After uh, you, here, try this one, raise your hand if you think there might be rejection in a job search. OK, good. It's worse than that. A job search, by definition, is nothing but rejection. You see? It's, by definition, it's nothing but rejection. Because when you find one that's not, it's not a rejection that works out, it's over, right? And so before that, it's rejection, rejection. That's all it is. And it's, so psychologically, what does that do with people? What does that do for somebody, constant rejection? What does it do? Come on, psychologists, what does it do? Constant rejection, how does a normal human being react to that? Say again? Demoralized. What else? Frustration. Say, I'm sorry? Frustration. Frustration, thank you. Yes, and behind that anger and all kinds of unproductive things. So, so, so you, you see this common psychological syndrome of the person, the person isn't enthusiastic about this thing of job search anyway, and then they get a bunch of rejection, and then they quit. They don't have any performance benchmarks, so they don't know if they've done a lot of work or a little work. They usually think they've done a lot when they've done a little. So, so um, I'll give you some others that are on the list. Um, they don't know how to do it. It's, there's a, they have a weak plan or no plan. It's a skills mismatch. So doing a job search takes a different skill set than the one you enjoy using and the one you're good at. Um, there's a time structure thing. You have to structure it for yourself. You have no organization to assist you in it. Um, there can be a self-confidence issue, at least after a while. Um, there's all that emotional stuff around rejection. And, and then, given all of that, the other thing, of course, that you get is avoidance. There's always something else to do. So here's here's the key number this is a number developed in, in, um, in informal research at Lee Harrison. The, the average person with base compensation between $30,000 and 100000 a year in a job search talks to 25 different hiring managers before one of those hires them. Those are not 25 interviews. Those are 25 discussions, 25 conversations. They might be as short as two minutes standing in the hallway. Uh, if somebody's having a really good day, they might be a two-hour lunch. 20% of them, about five, are, are actually either formal interviews um, or very serious informal conversations. By that I mean where, where the person is telling you, you're exactly the kind of person we like to hire, only we're not doing that, we're not hiring right now. So, so 25 conversations, and usually what happens is, one of the ones you talked to back when, now, now you get back in touch with them, and now they need you, and then that's how the hiring happens. But 25 different decision makers. Most people think it's easier than that, and after they've had two or three interviews, they think that something's wrong with them and they give up. This is an average, please. So so some some lucky people hit it on the first interview. Some less lucky people are on the other side of the bell curve. so, So in job search, how do you get those 25 conversations with decision makers? The answer is, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So if you get in through an ad, that's fine. If you get in through an internet, that's fine. The fact is, most people get in through informal conversations, networking. Um, And in order to get there, in order to get one decision-maker conversation, the average person talks to about four insiders and ten other people. In other words, there's about 14 conversations to get you through to one of them. So notice, please, that in the course of a job search, in order to get to 25, there's a lot of conversations. So add that up, and the single most important thing you can do in a job search is open your mouth. If, if behind that you're smart about what you say, it works even better. What's smart about what you say? It's having a target list and focusing the discussion on the target lists, not on job openings. The target list discussion is about organizations. It's a less threatening discussion. If you, if you, don't, if you don't get people away from the job opening thing, it's like it, it's anxiety producing for them. But but, a discussion about organizations and what they do and who does what, it's like that can be entertaining for people. So 10 general discussions leading to four insiders where you pick up additional information. If I have my brothers, I'd rather you talk to the insiders before you talk to the decision maker because you'll say smarter things when you talk to the decision maker if you talk to the insiders first. And, And then once you've talked to a decision maker, you must talk to that person repeatedly until your job search is over. Um, how often is that? Probably once every three weeks, but you have to decide. Depends on who it is. Um, this last one, by the way, we, uh, we noticed at Lee Heck, We ran a study on that one and, and discovered that practically nobody does it. They talk to the decision maker, and if it doesn't work out, they never talk to them again. But imagine this. Be the decision maker. I come in, and I talk to you, and I tell you how very interested I am in working for you. And then after that, I never talk to you again. It's like it doesn't play. And, and so, people, so people always say, well, I didn't want to bother them bother them, but it's like, do it in a polite way, do it in a highly professional way, but if you keep on going back and back and back, what are you going to convey? I'm just going to say the main thing you're going to convey is interest, and, 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 and I'm going to say next to your skill set, interest is probably second most important, and along with that, having met somebody is like real big. Then there's written communications, and so sometimes people say, well, I'm going to run my whole job search by, by mail or email. Um, this is bullet number two so I'd call that direct mail Uh, try this one on if if what you're doing is a job search by by mail or email how many resumes do you have to put out in order to get one invitation to interview on average ten Ten? a thousand thousand? bingo (laughs) there there have been studies done on that Uh, are you familiar with Richard Bowles He wrote the single most popular job search book. That doesn't mean it's the best, but it's very popular. Uh, The number he used was 1,400. I've seen other studies. They're all all north of 1,000. Why why is that? Because it's like like when you get it, you call it junk mail and spam, right? And the the people on the employer side feel the same way about it. That's why it takes so many to work. How many does it take for spam to work? It's a big number. Uh, Then then there's employer ads or postings. The The benchmark that we developed on that is... That, that if, if you have the right kind of resume and if you have a reasonable uh, a background for what you're going after, you should get one invitation to interview for every 40. One for 40. If, if you don't get one for 40, you should probably revise your resume because this game is all about your resume. Notice please that the informal contact thing, the networking thing, is about who you are as a person and what's on your resume. This other game, the formal game, is only about the resume. So anyway, these are where written communications go, to, to ads, directly to the employer, and also to recruiters and agencies. Um, the, the more experience you get, the more likely you are to be picked up by headhunters. Uh, that's always a good thing if you're in a job search. You should certainly let them know. In fact, I'm going to say that they should know about you way before you're in a job search. Um, when, when recruiters Anybody ever have a recruiter call them and ask them for advice and assistance? That's going to happen to all of you. It's going to happen to you. You're going to be a little bit further down the experience curve, but that's the way recruiters work. They call you up and ask you to help them locate a candidate. You are allowed to volunteer yourself. I just thought I'd tell you that. But, but if you don't volunteer yourself for whatever reason, you're very smart to help them out and let, you know, and let them know where you are, and you're very smart to get your resume in all the recruiters' databases. They all have one, and your resume should be in it. So to put it all together, I'm going to say... Why would you do this project without a plan? You have a plan for all your other projects, do a plan for this one. The, the nature of it is a marketing plan. Uh, very important that you check the size of it. And because you see, you're checking the size because if you've, if you've staked out a personal job market that's too small, you need to change that right now at the beginning of your search. You, it's like, uh, otherwise, you, you're like you're swimming upstream. It's like you've got the odds working against you. If you have any doubt whether it's big enough or not, make it bigger. And then you're going to use the seven search techniques, and while you go, you are going to measure your progress. Wow, look at that. I talked fast enough that we actually have time to have a discussion. So, what do you want to talk about? Are there questions? Are there comments? Yes, please. Well, the, 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 fir- the first thing I'm going to say I- is that a good job search is a good job search. And and, and, there, and, there, are, and there are differences, but the, the differences are primarily between different levels, you know, from hourly to managerial to senior executive, than, than they are between occupations. The, the advantage of having an engineering background is that you might be able to relate to some kind of metrics, and we're using metrics here, and it's about performance. Other than that, I don't, I don't know that I could... It's like the, like the basics of job search, it's like it's job search. Yes, please. Notice, please, that the technique you're talking about is cold calling. You're talking about calling a stranger, right? Cold
0: calling. We right. We have no idea who we're talking to. We're just trying to get into the door.
2: Right. So, so the first thing I want you to know is, is that the cold calling is a tough technique. It's going to take a lot of calls to get through to one. And, and if you like that kind of thing and you're good at it, God bless you, do it. I see people occasionally who are good at that and enjoy it. If I had the choice of doing that all day or going to jail, I'd pick jail. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yes, you do have to put forth the effort, and, and see, where I am is that the single most productive effort you can make is, is always looking to get to meet people informally, and, and, and see, that's not cold calling. That's starting with people you already know and, and, and looking to get an introduction to people that you don't know. And it's like p- people people think that's difficult and people and people think well well that's fine for other people but I don't have a big enough network. I've been doing this for 30 years. That's how everybody starts. And in the end, everybody has a big enough network. You need to know how to play the game. And 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 more than that, knowing how to play this networking game is a critical part of career success, not just job search success, but career success. So, networking is about meeting sometimes about expanding the network and meeting new people. And always about talking to people, so the people that have a network outside of their current employer are, 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 are often people that have a higher level of career success. Am, am, I, am I making any progress with your question? Yep. So, so, so let let me, let me get more concrete..
0: My, my main
2: Yes, Thank you. I agree. More than that, unless there's an opening that has resulted in a job order being filed at HR, it's their job to keep their daggone on mouth shut. And it's a, and, it's a, and 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 therefore and therefore, if you want to run an effective job search, you're mostly going to go around them. And, and, and so, see, so, so I, I, like, I like that part of the thinking you're doing because you're already thinking about going around them. But see, you're doing it the hard way. You're doing it with cold calling. If, if it's cold calling, it's like, then it's like it's some stranger leaving a voicemail. It's like, why would they even return the call? Now, you know, if your background is like really hot and you happen to call them at the time when they have a need, then they actually might because you, you'd be a, a, a candidate they could look at and they'd get you for free and you said something appealing, that might work. But, but see, the, but see, the easier way is the easier way is you make yourself a target list. You, you, you get you get 30 or 40 or 50 companies on it. Then you start. Start with your friends. Start with the easy way. Everybody wants to do it the hard way. Start the easy way. Start with your friends and relatives. Show them the target list. Get them off the opening thing. It's like this isn't about job openings. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the real lowdown on on the companies on this list. Would you be willing to talk to me about it and and see if you're personally familiar with any of them? So the first question is, are you familiar with any of the companies on this target list? You can do the same thing conversationally. You're at a party somebody says, what's happening? You say, well, what's happening is I'm looking for a job. And it's like, don't worry about it. You, you don't have to get upset about this. It's like, it's not a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. It's fine. But, but it's like, the, uh, I'm, I'm, it, you know, if you were willing to help me, I wonder if you know anything about these, you do it verbally. You know anything about any of these three companies? It's like, I don't care if they're hiring or not right, you have to get them off that. I don't know if they're hiring or not right now, but, but do you know anything about these three companies? So the, the topic is, discuss the organizations, not discuss job openings, and, 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 and not be looking for like take care of it for me but just talk about the organizations and so it's like as you're getting information about the organizations you know who knows the most about them the people who have a friend there used to work there and say what you really want is see before you get to the hiring manager I'm your career consultant at this moment okay before you get to the hiring manager I would really rather you talk to somebody below that level because otherwise you might put your foot in the mouth you talk to you talk to uh, one other person at the level where you want to get in that's pure gold that's good and it's like how are you going to find that person well you're going to start you're going to start asking around cuz see right right now right now it's like i've done this long enough i would make a bet on it R- right now you make a list of of your target companies most of the people in the room already have at least one person in your current network that knows an insider in your targets. They never brought it up because you didn't ask and because they only think job openings. Am I making any sense with that? See, but see, it's, 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 it's up to you to not only to manage the project but to make this kind of conversation happen, the kind of conversation that makes the other person comfortable. And so in networking, there's a lot of networking books out there. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. But, but where I am with networking is part of networking is expanding your network, and that's always about meeting new people. And, and, and so, and so, supposing, supposing we've got we've got Christopher, and supposing Christopher, supposing Christopher is in a job search right now, and and do you know George? Yeah. Do you of you know each other? Are you friends? Yeah. Okay, good. So so, Christopher knows George. And George knows me. Christopher doesn't know me. And, and I'm inside one of the companies where, where Christopher is thinking he might want to be employed. So Christopher goes and talks to George, and, and they're talking about that. And, and see, where I am is, if George thinks that I would be happy about the introduction and Christopher would be happy about the introduction, then George would be a very smart man to make it because it would be good for him. Am I making sense? Because, see, if, if that happens, everybody wins. It's like, I, if, if I'm inside that organization, it's like I get the chance to, to possibly to introduce someone who's going to be a candidate for a job. You know some organizations pay money for that? Some organizations pay money for that. Even the ones that don't pay money appreciate it because it's cheap. You know, it's like it doesn't cost anything to get an introduction. So, so George comes to me and tells me, would you like to meet this guy? It's like, oh, yeah. You know, you tell me a little bit about the background. So where I am with networking is, you're, look, you're, you're looking to talk to people very specifically about organizations and get introduced to people. Now, if, if I'm at the same level, if, if I'm at the same level, I'm not the hiring manager, then it gets easier to make the introduction, doesn't it? Because we, we, him and I share some common interests. We might actually enjoy getting acquainted. And it might be a long-term career benefit for both of us. How am I doing? OK, good.
0: So I think your point about friends and family is great, and that's where everybody should start. And I would I would bet that ninety percent of the people in this room have not utilized friends and family to the full extent that they should in networking. But given that, what's the what's another way? What are some other techniques? I, I tend to think of professional societies and professional conferences as great ways to meet people. But are there other gems out there that you've seen as a way to expand? your Go Let me
1: What do you think of the usefulness of LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, thank you. All, all of this is very good. Thank you. Let me, let me see if I can remember all of it. So, so let, me, let me start with the family thing. So, so if, if, if you're at or close to entry level and your parents are still living, so the, the, the first route is go to your parents, to your parents' friends. I'm a parent of adult children, and it's like when, when, when one of my kids shows up with one of their friends, I, I treat that, fr- that friend like they were another daughter or another son. So it's like, go, go to your parents and your parents' friends, and then go to your friends and your friends' parents. You can do this for each other, right? You get target lists. And, and it's like, talk to your friends here and swap them around. And, and get your friends to talk to their parents on your behalf. And if, and if your parents are looking like they might be willing to cooperate and might know something, bring your friend home. It's like, bring your parents here or like, get them on the phone or whatever you can do. But it's like, those two are very powerful because you reach up a generation. You reach up to where the hiring managers are. Very, very smart move. Of course, you do have to be on good terms with your parents, but that's your problem. <laughs> now, now link, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So LinkedIn and, and any of the social networking applications on, on the web, I think, are a very useful starting point because that's a way of looking at someone you already know and getting a fix on what their network is. Now, uh, now, how do you follow up on that? See, networking is all about personal connections. It's not about emails to strangers. As soon as it's emails to strangers, you're back in the spam category. But, but, but if, if Christopher is willing to help me, and, and he's a friend of mine, and we're talking, and he's on LinkedIn, it's like I go and look at his LinkedIn thing, and I say, how about this one, this one, and this one? And then he decides whether he's comfortable introducing me or whether it's a good idea or not. But it's like that's really, it's, it's really a cool tool because you've got a map of what's out there. Let me take that th- same thing a little bit farther. Try it like this. So, so here, here's you over here. And you've got this network of people around you that you know that you have stronger or weaker connections with. Now, if you're smart, you start thinking about, over here is the hiring manager that you want to reach. He or she is probably older than you. You can make some guesses about who that person is, right? You already know where they work because they're on your list. If you can make some educated guesses about their network, then you can, then you can start thinking about where their network intersects with yours. So, so I was talking to a man uh, uh, before the session who, who was a very entrepreneurial man, and he's had some entrepreneurial experience in a family business, and he's interested in entrepreneurial organizations. And so it's like, who knows the entrepreneurs and the small to mid-sized businesses? Who, oh, the small to mid-sized businesses, what's in their network? Bankers? Venture capitalists? You see what I'm playing with? It's like, so, so who knows you both? Then then, then then, there are organizational and institutional networks. So, so you came to Duke for the coursework, right? Beyond the coursework, who came to Duke for the network? Yeah, good, smart. See, very smart. Because where I am in career management, they're both important. It's like a really good education. It's like there's no substitute. But at the same time, you automatically become a part of the Duke network for life. But you've got to know how to use it. The Duke network will not come to your house and help you out. You've got to know how to use it. But you see, right now is the time to know how to use it and start using it. It's like this is a huge opportunity. It's like you're sitting next to people right now. Talk to each other. Help each other a little bit. And, and, and see, after you leave here, you can continue doing that. But more than that, you're, you're part of a much bigger Duke network. And inside of it, there's subnetworks, right? So inside of the Duke network, there's the MEM network, right? That's your most powerful network. Isn't that true? That's a very powerful network. How, how many years has the program been in existence? Since 97. Since 97. So that means how many people are out there now? It was much smaller five years ago. OK. <laughs> um, so there's hundreds of people out there. A couple hundred. Yeah, there's, there's hundreds of people out there. And, and it's like, here try this one on. One of those people whom you've never met, what are the chances that they'd be receptive to a telephone call from you? Raise your hand if you think the chances are 50% or better. Yeah, you see, you see what I'm doing. See, see, that's networking. There's a common interest. There's a shared interest. That's not a cold call. You tracking with me? A cold call is somebody there's no connection with. So, so that's not a cold call. Now, I, I reach out a little bit farther. Anyone who ever graduated from Duke, now see, that gets a little iffier, right? It's not as tight, but it's still quite possible. It's like Duke is Duke. You went there. <laughs> you graduated, we hope.
0: How, how many people have utilized the Career Center Alumni Database and made calls from that database?
2: Ah, now, now see, that's what I was talking about before, well, when, when I said, it's like, you're in charge of the project, know what the Career Center resources are, and use them. So, so it's like, that, that database has mapped the network for you. Now, the, the people in that database, have, have they volunteered? They volunteered, hey, get on over, they volunteered, come on, get on over there, but you see, when you go there, when you go there, you can't get on the phone like a dummy and say, help me find a job, right? When you, when you go there, you need to have your marketing plan in place, and you got that in place, and then it makes sense, I had a call like this, so, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm a graduate of Yale University undergrad, I didn't do any of this fancy stuff afterwards, but, but I, I, got a, I got a call the other day from a current undergraduate at Yale, and it's like as soon as she said Yale, you know, it's like I took the call, right? And, and so then, then I'm waiting to see what happens next because it's like you know, it could have been like that, right? But it's like she she had it together. It's like she she said, um, I'm I'm thinking about my career. She said I, I, I um, I'm thinking consulting. Um, I'm thinking consulting that that is human resources related. I checked out Lee Hect Harrison, and, and I discovered that you are a Yale alumnus, and, and you're at Lee Hecht Harrison. Would you be willing to talk to me? It's like, I'm, I'm like, wow. She read the book, you know?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but, but so, so you see, that, that, that database, I'm going to say, for, for me, that's like in the LinkedIn category, only better. Because it's like you've you got people that already volunteered. and and So that, that goes back to 97, okay.
0: No, that goes way back, dude, because that's all of Duke. That's not just the MDM program. Ah. These are all of the people who volunteer for any of Duke students to talk to
2: them. Oh, I like that even better. Thousands of people, not, not hundreds. Oh, good. Because see, see, in that one, you know who's in that database? Your next hiring manager's in that database. There's probably one of them in that database, right? That's a cool database. Can I can I use it? Never mind. What else? Now we've we've got four more minutes. That'll that'll be it. Last last call. Please.
3: So my question is um, whether we can take some advantage through these MBA guys because you know they're pretty much from different firms and but you just know him and don't know how to, you know, make progress for your job finding through them.
2: And what's the qu- is there a question in that? Or is okay. that's more like a statement?
3: So the question is how to use this uh fuel for MBA guys. In your
2: job yeah, good. You know anybody over there? The it the the question is how how could we uh our uh, network with focus students. No, no, it's not this now. Network with focus students because you already know
3: them. But You already know them. How to let them, you know, just to talk to you or help you. How to approach bit. them?
2: You 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 know you know focus students already? Yes, several. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. That's an asset. And see, see, where I am is, do the, do the same thing with them you do with everybody. It's like, tar- target list, have, have your plan together, target list, talk to them, see if they know, if they know sources of information about that. And, and see, if they don't know, the next question is always, do you know somebody who might know?
3: But they pretty much, you know, at their uh, situation, they're pretty much associate level, and they're not going to be the higher manager, and probably they're not going to help you with that further.
2: Yeah, but see, but see we, we, we don't need to have a hiring manager. The first step is not the hiring manager. People always want to jump to step three. It's like the, the first step is talk to anybody that you can comfortably talk to. Show them your target list, get information, see if they can introduce you to somebody. And it's like, like step, you ever hear that thing, six degrees of separation? So, so the way job search work, networking works, you don't need six degrees. It usually the action happens at, at the second and third level. That's where the action happens. And so it's like, you, 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 you start with whoever you know. Focus students are good because they're business-oriented. And, 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 but you see, with, with everybody, it's also about the accidents of their family and the accidents about who they happen to know. And, and the whole point is to ask them the right questions. And see, the wrong question is, do you know where there's a job opening? The right question is, do, do you know anything about these six companies? I think that's it.